Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Welcome to the best of 2016 on Private Club Radio. This is part two of two. Part one was last week, and if you missed it, go back and listen to that episode where we recapped the likes of Norm Spitzig, Michael Crandall, Rick Coyne, Susan Green of the PCMA, and Richard Copland of Copland and Keebler. Some great highlights from 2016 last week, and we've got some great ones coming for you this week. As I rattle off those names that we've had on the show, I have a feeling of just being so blessed and so honored that we've had the lineup that we've had and folks in this industry have been so accommodating to coming on this show and sharing with you and me their knowledge and experience in order to grow your career. It's just like going to a national conference every week. That's how I like to describe this show. And that's really how I feel. And of course, the great part about it is we can listen to it on demand anytime. And I just want to make that reminder that if you haven't actually subscribed to the show, if you're a first-time listener, you may be hearing this show on the web or through someone's LinkedIn page or a Facebook post that someone has shared, that you can actually subscribe to this show. It's absolutely free. The episodes will download to your smartphone each and every week. You can use either the Google Play app on your phone to find the feed. You could use something like Stitcher if you're on Android, and you could use the podcast app if you're an iPhone user. Just search for Private Club Radio. We'll pop right up. Subscribe to the feed, and each and every Monday, you're going to get a new episode here in 2017. Now, as our regular listeners know, we've got some show partners that we've started creating some segments with. We've had Club Essential in 2016 as a show partner. Currently, we have the National Club Association. We hear from Brad Steele once a month, and we've got Concert Golf Partners, where we speak to board members across the country with Peter Nanula, the CEO and chairman of Concert Golf Partners. And big announcement, one of our all-time listened-to guests, Norm Spitzig of Master Club Advisors. He and his firm, Master Club Advisors, are going to join us as sponsors of the Private Club Radio Show. So I'm really excited to bring you that segment, which will start in February. They're going to be regular contributors to the show and Norm and his his team over there just have a wealth of knowledge and resources to share with us. It's going to make this show even better. So I'm super excited about that. Excited to bring that to you each and every month here on Private Club Radio in 2017. Well, let's get right to our recap of the year that was 2016. And the first clip that I want to play for you comes from Jim McLaughlin of Troon Privé. And I love Jim's interview. We had a really, really fun interview together. And in this clip, we're talking about how clubs market themselves and what clubs are doing wrong. I really feel Jim's advice was spot on. Here's what he said. Private clubs, it really has become a commodity marketing piece. You, You might agree with this or not. I know you're in the business of it. But for, for us, the way we view it and is that every market's the same. Every, every club is trying to say exactly the same thing. Here's, we've been designed by so-and-so. We've been, here's the, here's the picture of our beautiful clubhouse. Here's our, how many 
square feet it is. Here's our how many bunkers we have. Here's our beautiful this, beautiful that. Here's how many awards we've won. Um, you know, it, it it all becomes white noise, especially in yep. the you know very competitive higher end markets like Scottsdale here or in Florida. I mean, how do you choose if you are somebody that has not come up through a a, 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 a private club background? If you if your parents haven't played, if you if you are that new millennial market that has never been around golf. Tell me how you pick. Tell me. It all is this exactly the same. Right. Everybody's saying the same thing. Yep. That's the first impression they have. And they all package it in the same, you know, what I would say, stereotype of the, the past generation. So, um, you know, to the point where they're, you know, again, who's it designed by? Well, you know, Alistair McKenzie is fantastic. It's unbelievable. But... The, mar- the millennial market doesn't even know who Jack Nicholas is, never mind Alistair <laughs> McKenzie. And to see a guy in a kilt on the front of your website is not the way you should be attracting a new market. Uh, it is, it is, uh, it is, it's not, at least not the way we would do it. I, you know, it, hey, Alistair McKenzie is an important story at your club. Absolutely. But not, not lead with it today. Not today. Not if you're after that next generation. Right. Uh, let's, let's put it somewhere else and then educate them on that story so that they can tell the story later to their friends, but don't lead with it. My goodness. Right. And then I, and I, and I think it's, it's also, um, you know, just because of that white noise, it becomes tough to even get a call. And then where do you start? And that's just not for the millennials. It might be somebody who's, you know, living in uh, Wisconsin now, and they're looking at Arizona or Florida as a retirement community. And again, just, just look in a magazine, look at, look at the, um, the website, it all, it just says the same thing over right. and over again. So how do I choose? How do I, I, so I talk to somebody that's been there. That's how I start to get a little, and we want to get ahead of that. We want to make a difference. So every club should be thinking about how they're going to catch the attention of that market. You've only got so much time. You've got a quick look at their website and you either want to, in our opinion, uh, and this is what a club again should be doing is, uh, is either repelling them right off the bat or bringing them in right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, that you don't want to be everything to everybody. And I think, Great I think point. that's again, where I think a lot of the clubs of, I think the, I think the private club industry in my take, Gabe, is it, we kind of lost our way, uh, you know, through the the 90s and all the growth with, you know, clubs used to be and then the formation of clubs to begin with, of course, was, you know, whether it's a golf or around coffee shop or whatever back in the day, uh, it was a social club. It ended up being attached to golf as another social platform. And, but, you know, it, it was a, a community of light-minded people and whatever it was. And up in the Northeast, of course, it was along religious lines and all, all you know, but uh, and where I was from was around professional lines. Like, you know, there's where all the doctors were at that club, the <laughs> lawyers mm-hmm. were at that club. All, all those things were, you know, kind of clearly defined. And, and that it, then it changed. I think with just the way the market changed, the way I think the real estate side coming into it. Now all these clubs became these melting pots of all different types of people. And I think we lost our way in defining who we are as a club because that is what a club is. End of the day. End of the day, we are, you know, we're we're uh, we're Facebook for real now, right? Sure. We are we are <laughs> we're trying to get like-minded people to connect with each other around a social platform, yeah. and it happens to be at the dining room or in the fitness area or at the golf at the first tee at our club. That's what we want to have happen. Well, man, if I'm going to attract like-minded people, then don't start leading the story off with 
who, what you are as a building, right? What, what you are as a club, how many awards you've won, blah, blah, blah. That's not telling me anything about who you are. And that is if I'm like-minded to you or not. Sure. What it's telling me is every, everybody's the same. So where you want to go with this, and, and I, if you've read the uh, Simon Sinek book, uh, it starts with why. It's mm-hmm. becoming quite popular. And sure. uh, we are certainly disciples of the thinking. The uh, when I read too. that book, I was, I was just like, Oh my God, if this doesn't talk to the private club industry, this is like, well, they wear badges of honor. Like, you know, it, you know when you find your club, when you find your like-minded club, you, that is a badge of honor. You don't give up. You wear right. it on your chest. You know, you might not tattoo it into your arm like a Harley guy, but you are, you are wearing it. You can pick a guy out in an airport with his, the club he belongs to in a heartbeat. And mm-hmm. if he's a, you know, that's his deal, right? That's his badge. I love that line he used there. We are Facebook for real. Yes. Jim is absolutely right. That is what a club is. It's Facebook for real. So just loved that advice from Jim McLaughlin of True and Privé. And by the way, that was episode number 28. Definitely recommend you go back and listen to the whole thing because it was chocked full of goodies just like that. So the next clip that I want to play for you. So the next clip I want to play for you was Miles Tucker, the general manager of Hillcrest Country Club. This was back in episode number 18. And I asked Miles here what it takes to build a culture at your club with the staff and with the members. Here was Miles' answer. I I will tell you that not every club I've managed has been as uh, forward-thinking as Hillcrest in that regard. And as you were asking the question, Gabe, I, I fell back on a document which I consider to be you know my. Uh, my service Bible is the service profit chain. It was first published in the Harvard Business Review back in the 90s. And it talks about the fact that everything starts with how we treat each other as a team of staff, our internal customer service. How, how we treat one another will define the ultimate experience. And I believe that passionately. So if I'm going to try and affect a cultural revolution, I'm starting with my team. Um, I'll give you an example. I managed a club in the Midwest and um, found out about a charity called St. Baldrick's, uh, which supports children's cancer research. It was started by the fire department of New York. Uh, basically, what happens is people get pledges to shave their heads completely bald. Oh, wow. Um, and they then shave their heads completely bald and they send their pledge money in. And the idea is that in addition to raising the funds, it increases awareness of how people treat you differently if you're wearing a bandana or your head's been shaved because they will assume that you have gone through chemotherapy. Right. Um, it's just a great cause, um, something that really spoke to me. So I shared that with my with my management team and, and then with a broad team of staff. And at no point can you shoehorn someone into that kind of activity, either speak to them or it doesn't. Uh, there were 11 employees at the club um, from my assistant manager down to um, food servers and runners who all said, I'd love to do that. I would love to do that. What a great opportunity to do something good in the world. Count me in, count me in, let's do it. I then spoke to my predecessor um, and conceived this concept whereby we actually had a live auction of our noggins. So I brought in my predecessor, (laughs) the previous GM, who's not quite as colorful as Patterson, but he wasn't too far (laughs) off of it. And he'd been there for 10 years. He knew everybody. Everybody loved him. So he knew how to press people's buttons and he knew where the fat wallets were in the room. Mm-hmm. So he came in to help me. He was the auctioneer. He knew the staff as well. So he auctioned off the heads. 
Um, one, the, the highlight of the night was when a young lady who had beautiful hair, something that I will never have, who agreed <laughs> to do it, but had then got buyer's remorse. One of the members stood up and said, I've got 2,500 bucks for Susie to keep her hair. To which everyone gave a big round of applause and Susie kept her hair. Wow. I was the last one. So I went up and I said, I've got a grand to keep my hair. And uh, my best friend at that club stood up and said, that's never going to be enough. 1500 it goes, it goes, it goes. So we raised, I think, about $30,000 that night for an incredible cause. But again, we, we built community. Yeah. And from that, we then were in the newspaper, uh, not through any design, just we just were. That then caused the American Cancer Society to call me up and say, we've been looking to put a Relay for Life on in that community. Would you help? To which I say, yes, of course, I'll help. Um, and then I can, again, leverage my network. I know who I've got in my um, staff team that's committed to things like that. I know which members showed up that were willing to drop cash to support that event. I can reach out to my vendors. And so organically and, and a coalition of the willing just starts to develop and we then we started the relay for life in Juneland. we did three before i uh, moved on to my next professional opportunity i think we raised about half a million dollars cumulatively um so just wow. a great source of pride but what i would say is don't 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 try and fake that one it either sure. speaks to you and you want it and in which case nothing's going to stop you from being successful with it and you'll get the right people on the bus with you or you don't and that that's fine too Sure. Loved that from Miles. What a great story about how his club raised that money for Relay for Life and really built a community amongst the staff and the members at the club to affect some cultural change. Great stuff there. The next clip that I want to bring to you comes from Harvey Weiner. He's the founder of the club industry's first executive search firm, Search America. And we spoke to Harvey back on episode number 31. Now, every club and every manager has experienced turnover. And there are some lessons that you can learn when someone leaves. So I asked Harvey, how do you do that? Here's what Harvey had to say. Well, you need to do exit interviews, both of members who are leaving your club, as well as staff who are leaving your club, whether they are leaving on their own volition or you've asked them to leave. It's important to get that feedback because if ever there is an honest time for people to tell you uh, the straight skinny about your club and about the culture, that's the time you're going to get it. Whether you want to hear the feedback or not, and what you do with that information is something else. Some people just go through the process of doing exit interviews because it's a feel-good experience, perhaps, but then they don't apply what they've learned from that exit interview. Let's all learn from it. Uh, there are circumstances sometimes beyond the ability of anyone to control. Sometimes it's just a mismatch uh, that the, uh, the, the more thorough a board can be and a candidate can be in evaluating an opportunity uh, the more likelihood there is that it's going to last a while. Let me give you an example. You mentioned, Gabe, that the average tenure in the industry is two to three years. That's horrendous. The average tenure for searches that we've done over the last 40 plus years is over eight years. There's a reason for that. And the reason is we provide candidates with a huge amount of information 
about our client club and the opportunity. And we provide the board with a huge amount of information about the candidates that they are about to see. So the decisions in the interview process in which we participate intimately, those decisions are based on fact and information. They are informed decisions. They're not just based on gut. So for example, uh, my son, who's been in business with me now for oh decades, it seems, uh, has a favorite saying that there are two times in a person's life when he's perfect. Once when he's born and the second time when he writes his own resume. <laughs> I like so, that. <laughs> it's, for boards to select somebody based just on paperwork in this people business makes no sense. But I can tell you there are a lot of, lot of clubs that have done exactly that. Great lesson from Harvey there. Go back to listen to his episode, Chocked Full of Goodies, episode number 31. The next show clip comes from Peter Nanula of Concert Golf Partners. He joined us on Private Club Radio back on episode number 43. I really enjoyed this episode because Peter gave us his top myths of private clubs. In this clip, we discuss one of the most dangerous things that clubs are doing all across the country and why it really is devaluing the club industry. Here's what Peter had to say. I would say most clubs we meet with and most clubs we get involved with have engaged in some form of deal a minute or creating a new membership category or set of privilege or price for almost every new prospective member that walks through the door. And, and you know, one club we're in the middle of recapitalizing now has 42 different membership categories. Oh, my goodness. 42. <laughs> wow. So the problem is it's very hard for new members in the market or just the sort of chatter in, in the local club market to make sense of a club that's cut so many deals. Right. I know Gabe, he got in for 11000 I know another friend who got in for 5000 down and 3000 a year for six years. I mean... Deals and deals and deals. And, and and clubs need pricing integrity yep. and they need a strong reputation where, you know, every prospective member that looks at the club needs to say there's a value there. The club knows what their value is and, and, and people seem to believe in it. When yep. you engage in this sort of deal a minute, nothing down, you know, spend a bunch of months here for, for nothing down and just pay dues. You're sort of trashing the image and the reputation of your club. And you're alienating all those members that actually did put some money down. Precisely. Once again, that was Peter Nanula back on episode 43. Go check that out. His myths were really poignant. And I think he was dead on with his advice that he gave on how to counteract those myths. So go check that out. Great episode there. And the last clip that I'm going to wrap up this episode with this best of 2016 was episode number 47, where we went across the pond and we interviewed three general managers that are doing some incredible things out in the UK. We spoke with Leighton Walker of Burford Golf Club, Stuart Gillette of Golf at Goodwood, and Alex Woodward of Boyce Hill Golf and Country Club. Each of these gentlemen have built some incredible teams in their own right. And so I asked them if they could give us their best tip in terms of team building. If there was one tip, what would it be to build and inspire a team? I'm starting with Leighton Walker here. Here's the clip. Yeah, I think one of my, my key tips, Gabe, would, would be to, to get on in there, really. I think 
sometimes you've got to be seen to be able to do these things as well. It can't be just about sitting in your office, you know, having everyone out there doing what you want them to do. I think sometimes you've just got to get in there and, and show that you're you're willing to do that. Um, show that you know all areas of the club as well, I think. Um, you know, you should have that that knowledge that you can talk to anyone in the club and, and know their job and know what they're doing. Um, and if necessary, even be able to get in there and do that yourself. It's not to say you should be doing that every day, but I think sometimes it's just that uh, yeah. lead by example kind of attitude. Really. I take the trash out at my at my office at least once a month <laughs> just to show to them that I'm not you know above that. I think that's a great tip to get right down in there in the trenches. Yeah, I have been known to go and pull a pint before in the bar. Oh, there you go. <laughs> do you do you drink it after you pull it? <laughs> right on. <laughs> just joking, Alex. How about you? What's one one tip you could give our audience? Uh, I would say commit to wow. As Stuart's alluded there when we spoke about it, um, is is committing to providing the best possible service with a smile you can. Um, the backup to that is as a manager is being able to empower people to feel confident to do that and not being afraid to almost fail on that. That do you feel like you've got the, the skill set and the tools to be able to do that? And if you haven't, I'm absolutely here to help you and inspire you to try and get to that position where you are wholly comfortable. Um, I, personally, I think um, the hospitality industry in, in the States is, is first class, and I think there's a lot to be gained uh, from that. And, and a word like wow mm-hmm. for me is, is, is the perfect encapsulation of that. I love it. I love it. How about you, Stuart? What, what's the one tip that you could give us? I would, I would say is it to understand that there's a difference between management and leadership and really continue to sort of self-develop uh, and understand as, as an individual how important your role is in, its, in inspiring people. And, um, you know, I've, I've spent a bit of time on that over the last two years and it's made a massive impact for me. And, and through really through one thing, and that's I've been able to, not that I feel I've done anything wrong, but listen, listen to people. And actually there's loads of different ways, obviously, that we can listen. But, you know, hopefully I've cracked that to an extent now where my team feel I do listen and that makes a huge difference um, because if you can do that they they see you as a leader and essentially from a day-to-day on a day-to-day basis they're the ones delivering your ethos uh, and and your objectives I thought you would like that hope you did hope you enjoyed all the clips from 2016 which was just a taste of the content that we covered on this show Definitely invite you to check out part one of this series if you missed it. Once again, go back to last week's show and hear those other interviews. And if you got something from one of these clips, go back and listen to the whole interview. I go back and I listen to them over and over, not because I want to hear my own voice, but because there's just so much good advice coming from these gentlemen. And I learn something new every time I listen back to the interview. So I hope you enjoyed last year, and I know that 2017 is going to get bigger and better. We're going to bring on some new guests, some voices from even outside the private club industry. We'll break some new ground. For instance, later this month, we'll be speaking with a productivity expert, and he'll be giving us some tips on how to declutter our lives, how to get rid of the trap of email, and how to be more productive. So I'm going to bring you some interesting interviews like that in 2017. I hope you'll come back week after week 
And if you could just tell one friend, well, I shouldn't even say one, go ahead and tell your friends and your colleagues in the private club industry that this is the place to go each and every Monday to get the best in private club education. If you can share it on your social media, on your LinkedIn or your Facebook today, that would be a big help to me. I would really appreciate it. My goal is to get this show in the ears of every person working in the private club industry, and you can help that happen. I will see you back here next week. We'll be chatting with Jeff Morgan, CEO of the CMAA, on their new research regarding millennials. I'm excited for that one. And by the way, if you are attending the CMAA National Conference, please join the Private Club Radio Listeners Forum because I have an announcement over there about a listeners-only party that I'll be throwing in Orlando for our loyal listeners of this show. So if you're going to Orlando in February to attend CMAA, let me know. And the best way to do that, of course, is to go on Facebook into our private group. All right, that's it for this week. I will see you next Monday here on Private Club Radio. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency, the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.